song we worship you by hearing your word and so we pray god that it is you um, that speaks your word to us tonight as we just sung about we worship you all the day long and the day is not yet over so we continue to worship you now and we pray these things in jesus name amen okay so psalm 30 i read you guys a really long passage from first chronicles chapter 21 to kind of give you the background of what it is that had happened. And I think when people think of David's life and they think, uh, if, if someone were to ask you, David committed a great sin at one point in his life, everybody's number one response would normally be Bathsheba, right? His, his issue with Bathsheba. What's interesting is that comes at a time of relative peace in his reign. And this sin that he commits that we read about in 1 Chronicles 21 comes at a time in relative peace in his reign as well. And you see that it's a psalm of David. It's a song at the dedication of the temple. David was dead by the time Solomon actually built the temple, and it was dedicated. But after this situation that happened in 1 Chronicles 21 and 1 Chronicles 22, it begins to describe how David puts a tremendous amount of work and effort into the preparation of the temple. He basically does everything that a good, a good father would do in order to set his son up for success. He... he, he, he um, plans out the plot of land. He gathers together all of the materials. He gets all the workers of the materials. Like everything is in place. He just knows that he can't do it. It's like he's working as if he's going to do it, but he knows that he can't because God has told him, you're a man of bloodshed. You will not build the temple, but your son will come after you, and he will. And so David does all this work in preparation. And so really it's not so much a dedication of the temple building itself. It's really more of a dedication of his heart to the Lord. And as if he were going to be there at the dedication of the temple, um, he's looking kind of towards that. But he's mindful. He's incredibly mindful of what it was that, it, that he had done and the grievous sin that he had committed in taking the census of the people of Israel. And this psalm gives us a picture into why it was such a grievous sin, because it's not against the Old Testament law to take a census of the people, but I think in this psalm we see the condition of his heart and the motivation for why he did it. And that's why it's wrong in the eyes of the Lord. So um, we'll read through Psalm 30, just 12 verses, and then we want to go back and just draw a few things out of it. A Psalm of David a song at the dedication of the temple. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. 
You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. I titled this uh, message tonight, A Song for the Stumbling. It's really, you think about what it was that David had done, the grievous sin that he had committed against the Lord in the writing of this psalm in response to what it, what, has, what it was that had occurred between him and the Lord and what he had done. And so um, I'm going to have one finger in First Chronicles 21 because we're going to refer back to several points of it throughout Psalm 30 um, because I think it's helpful to identify as he writes this song being able to think of some of the specific things that occurred in First Chronicles 21 and that helped him write what he wrote, but yet... Um, even, even through this, this stumbling, as grievous as it is, he ends the psalm on a note of hope and praising the Lord forever. And I think that's good for us to remember because um, I find a lot of comfort in that. I'm a man who is prone to stumbling. I'm a man that is prone to giving in to temptation and sin, just like the rest of you all of us. And there's a song to be sung for all of us as we walk this Christian life. We want to glorify God. We want to sing his praises. But as we stumble and we commit sin, and even when you consider what it is that David had done, even grievous sins, and yet the mercy of God is always on display, just being magnified, even through our stupidity, and are giving in to temptation and being lured in and drawn away, enticed by our own sinful desires. So David would open up here, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up, and you have not let my foes rejoice over me. This would be a, a reference back to First um, Chronicles 21, 13. If you remember, David is given three choices. Three years of famine, three months of devastation by the by the by his foes, by the sword, or three days of pestilence by the angel of the Lord. And so he chooses the pestilence of the angel of the Lord, and really David is describing his thankfulness that he had not fallen into the hand of his foes. God could have just said, because of what you've done, I'm going to cause your foes, the enemies that surround you, to come in and to destroy you for three months and take all that it is that you possess. But that wasn't the only, in God's mercy and his kindness, he actually gave David a choice of what it is that he was going to face for what it is that he had done. And so David, in a way, is actually, actually rejoicing, I extol you. This is a, this is a word, extol, is a, is a word of worship. It's a word of praise that he's giving to the Lord. I extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol and restored my, me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Um, you think about the fact that at one point in that story, the angel of the Lord in verse 15 of 1 Chronicles 21 says that God sent an, the angel to Jerusalem to destroy it. Well, David is in Jerusalem at this time. 
And so David knows that if the angel of the Lord comes to Jerusalem to destroy it, and David is in Jerusalem, David is going to be destroyed. Physically, his life is going to be taken from him. He's pleading with the Lord, do not send your angel to destroy not only the city, but don't send your angel to destroy me in the city. And so you see how his, his words are very clear as he's crying out to the Lord in verse 2 and 3 of Psalm 30. You have brought up my soul from shield. You restored me to life from among those who have gone out into the pit. God was incredibly merciful and gracious to him in hearing his prayer. It's actually, not only does God graciously give David a choice of what it is that he's going to do and how he's going to respond, but when David chooses the three days of pestilence, the Lord is so merciful that he actually stops short of fulfilling that. As he comes to Jerusalem, he's going to destroy it, and David is pleading with God, please have mercy. And he humbles himself before the Lord. And God responds in mercy to not destroy the city and its inhabitants. And so David is writing a song of worship and praise in response to the fact that God had withheld judgment. Judgment was administered, but it wasn't as severe as it should have been or could have been. And so his response in verses 4 and 5, sing praises to the Lord, you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. This is, David is, is speaking in terms of because God has been so merciful, this is how we should respond, sing praises to the Lord. I don't know, you know, who in Israel knew what was happening and why it was happening. I don't know if they knew why 70,000 of them had died. I do know that David knew why. And I do know that David pleaded with the Lord for mercy, and God was merciful. And when God showed his mercy from administering his judgment and his justice, David's response was, guys, we got to sing. Sing to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. Why? For his anger is but for a moment. The Lord was angry, and he showed his anger, but... In, but in contrast, his favor is for a lifetime. And it's really in verses 1 through 5 that I think it's most relatable for us as believers. You think about how merciful God has been to each one of us who know Christ. God has not administered his judgment to us like we deserve for the sins that we have committed against him. David committed this egregious sin. God responded justly with judgment against him and yet was still did not fully administer all the judgment that was expected. And David's response is, let's sing. And for us, the response should be the same. We know that we justly deserve the judgment of God for the sins that we have committed. And so our response to one another should be, let's sing unto the Lord, saints. Let's respond to his mercy and his goodness and his withholding of the judgment that we deserve for our sin by responding to him in song, in worship. 
And that's one of the reasons why singing has always been, should always be, and will always be a central component of worship when the Lord's people are gathered together. Because the natural response should be to sing unto him for his incredible goodness and mercy to us. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. He's incredibly merciful and kind. What's interesting is that I think we get a picture in verses 6 and 7 of the condition of David's heart. You, would th- you remember back in, in 1 Chronicles 21, 22, David said to Joab and the commanders of the army, go number Israel from Beersheba to Dan and bring me a report that I may know their number. And Joab knows immediately that this is wrong. But he gives in because David's the king. And he does it anyways. And I think... Psalm 30, verses 6 and 7, give us an inside picture as to the condition of David's heart. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. He says in his prosperity, foolishly, I shall never be moved. Look at all that it is that has been accomplished. You think of this takes place at the end of David's life. David's been through a lot. He's accomplished a lot for the Lord. I mean, the Lord has really accomplished a lot for himself through David. But David's in this position where he, for some reason, says in his prosperity, I'm never going to be moved. And this is um, an expression of pride on the part of David. You see his response, though, by your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain strong. He, begin, he, he quickly gives credit to the Lord. It's by God's favor that his mountain is made strong. God hid his face, and he was dismayed. He says in verses 8 through 10, To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. And this is really, I think, represented well in First Chronicles 21, 13, and 17. This is where David realizes what it is that he's done. The sin that he's committed. 21.13, 1 Chronicles 21.13. Then David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Let me fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercy is very great. But do not let me fall into the hand of man. And verse 17, and David said to Gad, was it not I who gave the command to the number of the people? Is it, it is I who have sinned and done great evil. But these sheep, what have they done? Please let your hand, O Lord my God, be against me and against my father's house, but do not let the plague be on your people. He's crying out for mercy to God. He's pleading for mercy, which we see in Psalm 30, verses 8 through 10. And he says, what profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. Essentially, his prayer is, Lord, don't kill me because I still desire to worship you. David's heart is still, even though he has done what he has done, is still oriented towards wanting to worship God. And I think that's incredibly important for us to think about and understand because it has to be true that in these moments, even in the moments when we sin against the Lord, and you're convicted and you're grieved by your sin, there's, there's a part of you that wants to worship him still. 
There's a part of you that knows that God is worthy of worship and still desires to worship him and sing praises unto him, even though you've done, you've committed sin, even though you've strayed from him. You still respond with, God, be merciful to me. Because my heart's desire still, part of me wants to worship you. And I think it's, you know, what's assumed throughout all of this is that David is doing this, and he's writing this psalm, but he's doing it in a position where it's actually couched like in words of prayer. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I I plead for mercy. He's doing this in prayer. And I'm reminded of the fact that prayer is the unfailing blessing that the believer always has. You think about David and his sin, and yet he still turned to the Lord in prayer. I mean, when you stumble and you fall, you can, you can pray. When you're overcome with, with worry and fear, you can pray. When, when you've done wrong and you, uh, against the Lord or against someone else, you can pray. I think that prayer is one of these things where prayer should be one of those things where if you share something with somebody and they say, I'm going to pray for you, you would, your, our response should be, Are, really? You're, you're really going to pray for me? Praise the Lord. Thank you. You are doing the best thing that you could, act, you could ever offer to do for me. Because you have a clear understanding of who God is and what he is capable of. David knows God is merciful, and he, and he can display mercy. So what does David do? He prays for mercy. And what does God do? God shows mercy. So why would we not then also be encouraged in our moments where we need the Lord and we need his help to pray to him? Why would we not do that? Why would we not be so encouraged and be so happy and joyful when people say, I'm going to pray for you? knowing that they're doing the best thing that they can possibly do. They're going to the one that can actually do something about the situation. God is without limit. He can do anything. And so we're mindful of that when we come to him in prayer. Even in this moment, David is convicted. His eyes are open to the, to the egregiousness of his sin. And he doesn't, he doesn't buckle up. I mean, he doesn't... You know, he doesn't double down on his sinfulness. He doesn't, you know, stand up in his pride and try and excuse it away. He humbles himself before the Lord. And he pleads for mercy. And guess what? God's merciful. I think that's incredibly helpful and encouraging for us. That God can be found always in prayer. And then verses 11 through 12 is, you know, David's last response. You have turned for me mourning into dancing. Do you imagine? I can't imagine. Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 21, 14. So the Lord sent a pestilence on Israel and 70,000 men of Israel fell. David's sin cost 70,000 people their lives. What kind of mourning would you be in 
if you were the king of a nation and you had this real clear understanding of your relationship with God, the position that he had put you in and the repercussions that you could bring upon your nation based upon your faithfulness or disobedience, unfaithfulness to the Lord, and you were unfaithful and 70,000 people died. What kind of guilt, what kind of mourning would you be in? And David says, you have turned my mourning into dancing. Why? Because it wasn't as, as bad as it was, it wasn't as bad as it should have been and could have been. David is able to see, even, even in the just judgment of God being administered, David can still see how merciful God was. It's like David always had an eye out for how good God was. You have turned my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth, right? He had been mourning sackcloth and ashes. I'm taking it off. I'm redressing myself. But you have clothed me with gladness that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O oh Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. And the psalm ends with this, this cry of eternal thanks. I think of this and I see a song of God's mercy. This is David's song of God's mercy that God doesn't judge to the extent that he should and could. And the response is the song of eternal joy. Oh Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. And as long as David has life in that body, I am sure that he is mindful of how good God had been to him. And I think that's really helpful for us. Always think and consider how good God has been to you. He has not, he has not treated us as our sins deserve. Not even at the moment of salvation, not even the sins that you committed yesterday or last week or this morning or just before you got here. He is exponentially more merciful and gracious than we deserve. And that leads to a song of eternal praise, which we will give to him when we go to be with him in eternity. Let's pray. Father, I uh, thank you for, we thank you for your word. We thank you for it being preserved for us. We thank you for the voice um, that we hear from you when we read as you speak. And it's my prayer, God, that you would help us to take these things to heart. As your word has gone out, we're trusting, God, that you have um, done what you desire for it to do tonight, and we leave that in your hands, Lord. But one thing we do ask and pray, God, create within us a song of eternal joy because of the mercy that you have shown to us in diverting your judgment away from us and pouring it out upon the Lord Jesus Christ in our, in our place. This song we can sing because of the work of Christ. We have not received the judgment that we deserve. He has received it. He has paid it in full. And so we can sing this song that we will give thanks to you forever. And so help us, Lord, to sing with a thankful heart now.
We ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We stand and sing. Thank you.